episode of Grape Unfined Unfiltered. Today we're going south of the border again. I promised you last time that's where I was headed. Today we'll be speaking with Jose Manuel Boza from Bodega Boza from Uruguay. That's right, Uruguay. They have wine there. Delicious wine. Jose Manuel is joining me here in our Pacific Northwest studio, otherwise known as the warehouse here in Seattle. (laughs) Jose Manuel, welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. So what do you like to go by, Jose or Jose Manuel, JM? Usually my friends call me Manuel. My mother calls me Jose Manuel, so... Is that when she's, like, angry at you or something? No, no, she always does it. Okay, Manuel it is. So uh, this is your first trip to Seattle. How are you finding things? Actually, I'm, I'm really enjoying the city. It looks like a really nice city with nice people, really interested in getting to know... Uh, new wines and new experiences, actually. So I, I'm really happy, really welcoming people. It's nice to hear. Yeah, you're lucky, too, because the weather's beautiful today. I think uh, yesterday or the day before you were mentioning that you thought it rained all the time here. Yes. Uh, that's what we tell people. Yeah, I, actually, that, w- that was my idea. I was looking into the weather, and I, I brought lots of lots of clothing, and it's been some beautiful days here. So. I know, it's not quite beach weather, but it's not bad either. No, it's, it's wonderful, actually. Okay, so Manuel, what can you tell me about Bodega Boza? Actually, let's start there. Boza, Boza, Bauza, how do you pronounce your family name? Okay, it's Boza. Boza, like in Boza. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way, that's the way. For many years, everyone was saying Boza, which sounds fun, but it's incorrect. So I'm yeah. glad we got that all straightened out. Boza. So is Bodega Boza, Boza... It's your family winery. You're obviously not the founder since you're not very old. No, I'm not. Tell us a little bit about how the winery came about. Okay, uh, actually, my parents started the business in 1998 when they, they bought a vineyard and started managing this vineyard, always with the hope of one day building a winery and being able to produce high-quality wine. A few years later, actually in 2001, they, they found this really nice property, really close to Montevideo, actually 15 minutes away from the port of Montevideo. Wow, that's close. It's, it's really close, actually. It used to be a winery. It used to operate in the decade of the 50s, but it was abandoned for several years, so we rebuilt it, did a nice remodeling and put some technology. Actually, our winery is a pretty modern winery, and the first vintage in the winery was 2003. So, were your parents involved in the wine industry before this, or my my besides, besides drinking wine? Of course, of course. No, actually not. My parents used to have a couple of food industries, a pasta company and a bread company. Oh, really? Actually, after they they sold the pasta company, it's when all this started. They they got some money from from the company, so they they wanted to to keep in the in the food and drink business, mm-hmm. but to do something a little bit more boutique quality-oriented, and small quantity. So they're not involved with the, with the pasta or the bread anymore? No, no, we're not. So the parents are still involved? Kind of. More or less. They're kind of hanging out, letting the, the children do it. Yes. So with you, uh, how many brothers and sisters? We are five, actually. Wow. Five brothers and sisters. Uh, my sister, she's the elder one. She she works actually at a pasta company, but not, not from our family. Okay. She's also an engineer. Okay, I work at the winery. I'm the general manager of the winery. Then Luis, he's a chef. Mm-hmm. He's, but actually, he's studying music production in Berlin. 
Juan Pablo, who is an accountant, and he works with me full-time at the winery, and Agustin, he's the younger one, and he's studying winemaking, so maybe one day he'll join us. And he's how old? He's 21. Oh, so he's, he's, he's got time. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Okay, so you were saying that the winery is only 15 minutes from the port of Montevideo. Montevideo is the capital. That's the largest city. That's where the beautiful airport is. I was really surprised, you know, all truth be told, I actually was in Uruguay and visited the winery a few years ago. I was surprised how close the winery was to the city. Where are most of Uruguay's vineyards located? I mean, are they like really far in the countryside, away from the ocean, or...? Actually, mo most of the vineyards in Uruguay are really close to, to the ocean, and lots of vineyards are really close to Montevideo in the Canelones area. It's one of the most popular and traditional areas for, for winemaking in Uruguay. Um, maybe not 15 minutes from the port, but 45 uh, minutes from the port, you can see several wineries in Uruguay, actually. How many wineries are in, are in Uruguay? There are more or less 200 wineries. 200? Yeah. So wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, it, it's not a lot, I guess, for a whole country. But yeah. And how many people are in Uruguay? Three, three million people. Three and a half million people, more or less. So we're mm. a small country. So how many acres are planted in Uruguay in general, you think? There are more or less between seven and 6,000 acres. Hectares. 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 Okay, okay. Hectares. Yeah, we got some units issues yeah. between the U.S. and... Uh, everyone who listens to wine blogs, they, uh, they, they understand hectares. <laughs> 2.5 acres per hectare. Okay, and then also, actually, I was driving to Punta del Este, and I drove by a few wineries pretty close to there. What area is that? Actually, we, we do have some vineyards over there. Mm -hmm. It's the Maldonado department. It's, well, Punta del Este is one of the most famous seaside mm -hmm. resorts in, in South America, and we do have some vineyards there, uh, really, really close to Punta del Este and really close to the ocean, five kilometers away, more or less, and there are some, some new projects going on there. Actually, mm -hmm. this might be the area where, where Uruguay is growing the most. So, in general, okay, you know, just a real quick general question about, you know, the Uruguayan wine industry, what's the most common grape? Okay, our most planted grape, it's Tanat, by For far. Sure. Okay, so it is Tanat. Yeah, it is, it is. It is by far the most planted grape. Uh, there are also some Merlots, really interesting Merlots. And we, in the whites, uh, there are lots of Sauvignon Blancs. Oh, really? Chardonnay. Uh, well, Albarino is a grape that is growing a lot. I've heard uh, Albarino from Uruguay is uh, coming up in, in popularity. Actually, we just tried your 2017 Albarino five minutes ago, and it was super delicious. How much is being produced of that now? Um, probably it's around 5% of the white varieties. It's Albariño, so it's, it's not oh, a big wow. production, but it is, it is growing. It's growing, yeah. Yeah, it's a growing variety. And so Boza in general, how many, how many cases? Is it a big winery, small winery? How many cases uh, annually are being produced? We are, we are a small winery. We are 100% focused on, on quality, not on mm -hmm. quantity. Actually, we believe the only way on, on doing a really high-quality wine is by producing a small amount of bottles. We produce more or less uh, 12,000 cases oh, wow. per year. So, and that's all for uh, family consumption? Yeah, most, mostly. Okay, good. <laughs> so 12,000 cases, so uh, do you have to buy fruit? Actually, no, we, we don't. We, we have our, our own vineyards. We only use our own grapes. Actually, we, uh, we do sell some grapes, so we, we choose the best fruit for our own winery. Oh, so you are able to sell a little bit yes. of grapes. Yes, oh, and we cool. sell some grapes to, uh, to other producers in Uruguay. Wow, that's great. So do you have people from Argentina coming over to work the harvest, or do you have, you know, as far as, like, staffing at the winery, are there 
How, how does that work? We we actually we don't hire people from seasonal people. We have all the people working in the vineyard all year round, so we can give quality jobs to them. Wow. Actually, they get to to understand the way to we need to manage the vineyard. We are hundred percent convinced that the quality of the wine is it's made in the vineyard, and and we do hard work for for it. Actually, not not even in in the harvest. We we actually use our whole team. We work long hours. Wow. But uh, well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, if you're you have someone picking grapes or working the vines, if they don't have a, an idea of the process or the end product, how are they going to pay attention to the small details? I mean, that really makes a lot of sense. Of course, it, it is. It, it makes a lot of sense. It is a lot more expensive, but it, it's it's worth it. And uh, and you're able to have a normal job they can count on, which is great. You of know? course. How, how is the economy right now in Uruguay? It's pretty good, huh? It's, I think it's pretty stable. <laughs> yeah, for South America it's very stable. Yeah, for sure. Uruguay is one of the most stable countries in in South America. Though economy, it's we are always complaining. But mm-hmm. what's, uh, what's the number one industry? Uh, the number one industry in Uruguay it's the export of um, agriculture, okay, agricultural products, agricultural products. Uh, yeah, mostly actually first it's agriculture, second tourism, and third it's meat. I, I like the meat there; it's really delicious. Yes, we have some really, really nice meat. So the Albarino is really interesting. It's super delicious. Was there a particular reason why you guys chose to plant Albarino? I mean, it's you know originally, well, we know it as being from Galicia in the northwestern corner of Spain. What's up with that? Actually, my grandparents, they came from, from Galicia 65 years ago. Oh, Gallegos. Gallegos, yeah. So, so it made made lots of sense to us having a, a Galician grape and the most typical Galician grape in Uruguay. We are we feel half Spanish and half Uruguayan, so so it made a lot of sense. Actually, there weren't any Albariño experiences in Uruguay nor in South America, so it was a big challenge for us. Oh, really? Uh, but so there weren't there weren't already existing grapes of Albariño? No, no, we didn't. We needed to import them from from Spain. So you guys basically planted the first Albarino in all of South America? I think so. I think so. I'll go with it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> That's a pretty good fact to you know, rest your head on. That's pretty cool because it is becoming popular there, I think. Yeah, it is. I, I think actually we were encouraged by it not only because of our heritage but also because we have in some ways similar conditions to Alicia. We have high humidity, lots mm-hmm. of rain, and the Albarino vine adapted beautifully actually. It's one of the grapes that gives us less travel, really easy to harvest. Every year gives a really high-quality wine. So we're really happy with it. And lots of other wineries in Uruguay are planting it, so that makes us feel really proud. Yeah, it should be. That's that's fantastic. Okay, so let's talk a little little bit about your workhorse, Tanat. Obviously, the the Reserva Tanat that we sell is... By far the most popular wine due to price point and you know quality is um, off the charts. One thing I've noticed in the past couple of vintages that is that the wines have become much more approachable. They're much softer. They used to be pretty tannic, I thought. You know when I first started selling these wines, the last couple of years they're just amazingly drinkable. I mean they're just really becoming popular. I mean we're we're sold out. Yeah, I, actually we luckily we we do. Uh, sell out all the wine we produce since we are a small project. Mm-hmm. We we are working uh, actually year after year. We keep learning about uh, not only about Tanat but uh, about our terroir, about the techniques that we can do to improve the the quality of the wine to make it more approachable. 
uh, but not to lose character. It's really important for us uh, that the wines have great personality, that, and I think with Tanat, that's never an issue, actually. Well, that's great. I mean, they are. Seriously, they've improved. Uh, maybe it's uh, the winemaking or the climate. I don't know. Is, have the vintages been more steady, uh, a little more stable the last couple of years? We have had some really nice vintages. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the 14th vintage was mm-hmm. really bad. We harvested less than half of our production, wow. so it was it was a hard vintage. But 15 and 16 were really great harvests, uh, hot and dry harvest. Uh, 17 was a little bit uh, cooler, but really nice wines. Actually, the one the wine we tasted today was 17. That's delicious. It is. Eight and 18 must must have been the best harvest in the, in the last 30 years. So wow. The best is yet to come. So who's actually making the wine? Is it you? I'm not actually. I'm not. I am still learning, and actually, I, I try to be as much as I can in the winery mm-hmm. to to get to learn from Dr. Eduardo Boido. He's the winemaker, and he's also a partner in in the business. Mm. He's a really really nice and interesting person. Wow! So he's been involved from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. He so he, he, was, fr- he was friends of uh, your parents, or actually they met because of this project. Oh really? Uh, wow. Yeah, a friend of my parents introduced them. Uh, actually, she said that that he wouldn't be willing to work with us. <laughs> He's really into research and, mm-hmm. and developing, so we are really happy that he accepted working with us. Yeah, I think you're uh, fortunate because he's doing a killer job. So we also tried this morning a couple of these Porcella Unica wines. We tried the B6 and the A6. Uh, what's the difference? And why not, why not name it something like Jose Manuel 6? <laughs> Or something. Why A and B? Just to make it simpler, or actually, we we never thought about this releasing these Parcela Unica vineyards when we first started the project. Oh, really? We we were thinking about what's the best way to get to understand our terroir. What's the best way to learn from our mistakes and to improve year after year. So we divided all the vineyards in small parcels of half an hectare, and we do all the vinification uh, separately. So we have a full traceability, and we get to understand from the actions, what, what are the consequences from the actions we, we make in, in the vineyard. And speaking of terroir, I mean, you know, what is the overlying you know, terroir of the vineyards? Uh, the southern vineyards, they're clay and limestone soil, mm-hmm. mostly. And our eastern vineyards, they're more uh, rockier soil, so the eastern one, that is the B. No, actually, the, these two are the, the two of them. They are in the south. Oh, okay. So yeah, the the A six, it's in the in the winery actually. Okay. It's right next to the winery. Right and next to the uh, to the car museum. Yeah, yeah, really close to the car museum, and actually the B six is twenty five kilometers north. So they are both in this in the most traditional area of winemaking in Uruguay, which is Catalonia's. Yeah, actually, the A is in Montevideo, oh. but in the border with Canelones, and the B is in Canelones. Yeah, so we've tried them, and they were strikingly different. I mean, fruit profile was just like, wow, it's completely different, which is great, because people think, oh, they're both going to be big wines, all this kind of stuff, but boom, trying them side by side was striking, you know? Yeah, actually, the I believe the limestone really affects in the in the maturity of the, of the mm-hmm. fruit, so you get this this really fruity chewy notes in the B6, whereas in the A6 it's a more direct profile, more spicy, closer to the bananas or the to the mm. dried fruits. And again, I, having sold and consumed these wines over the years, I mean these current vintages. We tried 2016s this morning. 
they were so approachable compared to the past. I mean, they're like people that I know who have tried them, they're just blown away. They're like, wow, these are really big, but they're just smooth and just, you know, approachable, which is great, you know? Yes, yes. We, we have some really, really good results in the market. Mm-hmm. People were really interested in trying the wines. They kept them trying again and again, almost drinking them. <laughs> Whoa, easy. <laughs> okay, so then the last wine we tried this morning was uh, Montevi- Monte. What what the hell is it? Montevideo? It's Montevideo. Actually, the the label tells uh, one of the stories around the origin of the city, of the name of the city, Montevideo. Mm-hmm. It's our capital city. So it's not Montevideo? No, no. It may be in English. Supposedly, uh, Portuguese sailors were coming to the coast. We are approaching the coast. And a Portuguese sailor would have said, Montevideo, which mm-hmm. means uh, I saw a hill in ancient Portuguese. And there's the name of Montevideo. Anyway, so this wine, so this is actually not 100% Tanat, right? No, no, it's not. It's majority Tanat, it's 50% Tanat, 25 Merlot, and 25 Tempranillo. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, that's right. You do do a a straight bottling of Tempranillo. Yes, yes, we do. That's right. I saw that We do, we do. And actually, for this wine, we do a a barrel-by-barrel selection. So we get, from all the barrels of the winery, we get to choose the ones we like best or or the best fit in this blend. So it's a really, really special wine for us. So where are you selling all your wine? So more or less, we sell half of the wine in Uruguay, and the other half we export it. So wow! So that's pretty good. Yeah, it it, it works really really well for is us. Common, is that common for Uruguayan wines or? No, usually m- most of the wineries sell almost all their wine in Uruguay. Oh wow! Actually, Uruguay it's a big big market for for wine consumption. Really? Uh, really, it is. It is. It's it's though it's a small market, uh, consumption per capita is really high. We consume more or less 26 liters per capita per year, wow. which is one of the highest uh, around the world. So. so how much of this Montevideo uh, is coming to the U.S. shores on this next container? Do you have any idea? I mean, not, not a lot's produced. I know that. Yeah, I, I'm, I believe around 100 bottles more or less. 100 bottles? So, yeah, not, not so many. Not 100 cases? Not 100 cases, no. So who's buying this? All, all the restaurants in the Montevideo? Yes, lots of restaurants in Montevideo, in Punta del Este. We do export an important part of it, but we have 20 open markets, so we need to mm. allocate the wine for the different markets. So and we should uh, get on that and try to sell that before it even gets here. I'm sure you will. I'm going to buy a couple bottles myself. So you're selling off a little bit of your fruit. How many how many hectares do you own? In, in total, we have more or less 50 hectares. 50 hectares. Oh, that's pretty good. So are you expanding, or is there room to expand? We are. We are. We try not to expand abruptly. We try to grow really in a steady pace, but slowly, so that we don't lose any quality. But we are planting some new vineyards in the east of the country, actually. Oh, really? Uh, we have some vineyards in the Pandia Sugar Hill, the, the Sugar Loaf Hill mm-hmm. in English, and the newest vineyards of all is in the Las Espinas Hill. It's a really nice place, actually. We are planting in the east uh, ladder of the hill. It's a really rockier and really, really close to the ocean. Actually, in this place, we, we get a really nice phenomenon called Virazón. It's a thermal wind. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the land gets hotter faster than the ocean, so the air goes up, yeah. and the yeah. air from the ocean comes, and it cools the, the all the afternoons. So we are getting fresher wines uh, with really intense flavors and higher acidity and a bit lower alcohol. Well, that's good. Okay, well, that kind of gets us up to speed on the wines of Boza. 
pretty happy to uh, have had you here in the office, or actually, sorry, in the uh, studio <laughs> uh, to answer my questions. Uh, a couple quick questions. What's up with the sausage I had there? They had like cheese in the middle. The, the morcilla you're talking about? Or, or yeah, the stuff, it was, it was the morcilla, the blood sausage with, yeah. with cheese in the middle. It's it's something... It's something delicious is what it is. It is, is. It, is. it is, it is. Actually, we Uruguayans eat lots of morcilla. We really like the blood sausage. And why not put some cheese on it? You know, put cheese in it for sure. I mean, I'm one of the few people I know here that actually eats blood sausage on a regular basis. <laughs> I think it's great. It is. Anyway, Jose Manuel, thank you very much for joining me in our uh, one episode of uh, Grape and Find Unfiltered. What's your plan for the afternoon? Are you going to go see Seattle? Yeah, yeah. The plan is, actually, we have a couple of class meetings in a few, a few restaurants. And afterwards, just going to walk around Seattle and going back to Uruguay. Back to Uruguay. I wish I was going back to Uruguay. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at GrapeXWine. And until the next time, have a great week.